Listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsea's Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. I said it may not be a popular message and people may have many different opinions on how and why and whether we should even give. But I'm telling you today, I know the reason why tithing and the subject of giving to God is so greatly opposed. And that is because Satan doesn't want you, your home, your family, everything you have to receive the supernatural blessings that's attached Through tithing to God. Do I hear an amen in the house? Remember this. If you're not plugged in. Come on. If you're not plugged in. You've got no power. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say. Do you have some power in you? Come on. The only way you're going to have some power. Is if you get plugged in. And we've got to be plugged into God. And this month we've been covering some incredible key subjects to help us get plugged in and connected to God. Because after all, God is the only source of true power for your life. We've talked about vision. Without vision, the people perish. I mean, that's pretty clear. We need to have vision in our life. The Bible says also without vision, the people run wild. They cast off restraint. We don't want to live life out of control. But God has destined a life of purpose, a life of power, and a life of blessing for every one of us. We want to have the control We want to have, in what I mean, the controlled life that God can live through us. That's vision. We talked about prayer. How incredible prayer is. And how we need to pray because the number one reason our prayers are not answered is because they are first not even prayed. And today we're going to talk about tithing. Giving to God. It's amazing. A lot of people get thrown from the loop straight away when they even hear the word tithe. Let me break down that word tithe for you this morning, if I may. Tithe literally means this. It literally means a tenth. That's what tithe means. Tithe means a tenth or ten percent. It's not something we make up, oh, you need to give ten percent to God. When God says bring your tithe, tithe means ten percent. It's what God designed and it's what God set in place. And I truly believe that as we give our tithe, that which is God's, we connect in a sup- into a supernatural power that begins to work on our be- behalf. Come on, that's living a blessed life. If someone says to you, well, what's a blessed life? You can turn around and say a blessed life is where the supernatural power of God works on your behalf. But you know what? There's another kind of life. There's one that's cursed. We don't like that word cursed, but it's a life that's not blessed. And a life that's not blessed is a life that does not have the supernatural power working for you, but rather has the supernatural power of God working 
against you. Today I realize the subject of tithing is so extent. I mean, there is so much. We could talk literally on weeks on this subject. So we're only going to be able to really give you the skeleton, just really scratch the surface. But I believe today we're going to give you principles that are going to change your life. Principles that you can connect to God through. That your family, your home, your future, everything that you have will be blessed. And I want to say this from the beginning. I don't believe that tithing is a law. I don't believe that tithing is a law. I believe tithing is a principle of life. It's a principle of life for me. It's a principle of law, life for my family. Because there's something about laws. Laws come and they go. But principles are constant. They remain the same. Turn with me this morning to Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to begin in verse 6. Verse 6 says, For I am the Lord... Notice what it says. I do not change. Let me read those first few words again from Malachi 3 verse 6. I am the Lord. I do not change. There's something very important as children of God. We've got to grasp a hold of and understand here. And that is God doesn't change. Did you get that today? I said God doesn't change. And because God doesn't change, that means the principles he establishes also do not change. And one of those principles we're going to read of in verse 8. It's the principle of giving, tithing, bringing unto God that which is his. Read with me then Malachi 3 verse 8 through 11. And it says this, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what have we robbed you? And God would say, in your tithes and in your offerings. And as a result, verse 9 says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Listen to me for a second. When we're talking about robbing God, literally what we're doing is we are taking his ability from to be able to give back into our lives. I didn't say his ableness because he's still able to give. There's still wealth available. But when we choose to rob God, we are pushing away the hand that is able to bless and to give into our lives. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. When I read those words, even this whole nation, I wrote down these thoughts. It always amazes me how when we choose to live disobedient... It not only affects our lives, but it affects others also. You're quiet today. He said, you cursed with a curse because what you've robbed me, even this whole nation. There's something that's happened as a result of someone being disobedient. It's affecting, yes, their life, but it's also affecting others. It's amazing how our disobedience has a ripple effect and affects others around us too. Verse 10, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now, put me to the test. Prove me, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows. Listen, that word windows there is not a good translation. It's not like a little porthole. It's not like a little window, oh, a breath of fresh air. What it means is the floodgates. 
The floodgates. God says, let me open the floodgates of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer. Man, I love this part. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Thus says or says the Lord of hosts. In other words, signed God. What an incredible passage. I said, what an incredible passage today. And I think it's incredible in two ways. The first way is this, as a warning, as an instruction to every one of us that we don't need to rob God. We don't need to rob God of His desire and His design to give to our lives supernaturally. Because that's a blessed life, a life that's supernaturally touched by God. So we see that portion first, that we've... Got to heed the warning and listen to what God would say. A God that doesn't change. A God that still remains the same today. And the second way that passage is so powerful is it shows the blessings. It shows the outpour. It shows what God wants to give into every one of our lives. Come on. God's a God that says there's not room enough to contain everything that I have available for. Come on. I don't know what's wrong with you today. You should be excited about this stuff. I mean, you should be excited about a God that says there's such blessings that there won't be room enough to contain it. And the reason God says there's not room enough is not because he's ever a God of waste. But God's a God that gives you so much that you can bless other people, that you can start sowing into other people's lives. Let me just clarify, if I may, a couple of points this morning. Must points, as I want to call them. The first must point is this. We're not a church that's all about money. I want you to understand that. We're not a church that's all about money. I'm not teaching connecting into God through tithing to manipulate you through God's word to give. I'm not teaching this for us as the church. I'm teaching this for you as your home and your family and your future and what God has in store for you. I'm believing and praying that through teaching you God's word and the principles of God's words, that your eyes would begin to be enlightened today, that they would be open to the blessings that are available, the supernatural. I love that word. The supernatural working that God has for your life. That you and I will understand the rewards that come through obedience in giving to God. And not just to give to God, but to give to God joyfully. Come on, we believe in this house, it's a joy to give to God. Come on, we believe in this house, it's a great time, a celebration to give to God. Not, oh my God, here comes the offering plate again. And secondly, can I bring this must point to mention? I'm not teaching this to make you rich. I'm not teaching this to make you rich. We're teaching this in order for you to live a blessed life. Come on, there's a difference between rich and the blessings of God. Doesn't mean that the blessings of God do not involve finance. We know that they do, but they're not limited to that. Do I hear an amen? 
Come on, you could be the richest person on the face of the earth and be miserable. That's not a blessed life. Come on, money isn't the ends and the means for happiness and victories and breakthroughs. You could be the richest person and have a terminal illness. And your money cannot buy you your health and your strength. So we're not teaching the principle of giving just so, wow, I can get rich. Like the investment tither. That as you give, God gives. What did he say? You're giving years. Um shakalaka, is that what one of them said? Pay my tithe, $25 for the childcare. But you know what? We believe that as you begin to enjoy a life of giving to God, you will enjoy the quality of life that would make anyone in this world envious to live the life of blessing. That you have and your family has. You see, there are blessings that we just read of that will permeate into every aspect of our lives. Come on, it hits our health. Come on, it involves our relationships. Come on, it affects the places where we work and our environment and and promotions and all these. Come on, it affects and changes our family. It affects and changes our emotions, our thoughts, and the list goes on and on and on. It's not about just get rich quick stuff. It's realizing that as I'm obedient to God, there's a life of blessing that God has for every one of us. That the supernatural working of God will begin to work on our behalf. And it excites me when I begin to think of that. I'm going to teach you a very important principle this morning, I believe, on giving to God. And that is this. God must be first. God must be first. First, look what Matthew 6 verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Come on, everything that you need is in God. Come on, when he says all these things, come on, everything that you could ever need. In fact, he's just talked in this passage of scripture about worry, how we get consumed with worry. And he says, consider the lilies, they don't tall nor reap, but yet their beauty is greater than Solomon when he was arrayed in all his splendor. He talks about the sparrows, how they don't sow, but yet the heavenly father feeds them and he takes care of them. That's just a few of the things that he's talking about. And he says, when you put God first, guess Guess what? All those things, your worries, your concerns, your fears, how's it going to happen? How's it going to work? God says, all those things are going to be added to your life. Come on, aren't you glad you serve a God that's a God of addition and not subtraction? Aren't you you glad you serve a God of multiplication and not division? Come on, He wants to add into your life, but He must be first. I want to show you How I believe tithing through the word of God establishes the principle of God first in every one of our lives. If we're to look through the Bible, it's amazing that we will find around about 500 verses in the Bible that has to do with prayer. It's a lot of verses. We would probably find around about the same amount of verses that deal with faith. Concerning faith in some shape or form. But if we would look, we would discover that there are more than 2,000 verses in this Bible 
that cover the subject of money or possessions. About 500 prayer, about 500 faith, but more than twice as many as prayer and faith that involves money and finances. When Jesus walked on this face of this earth, he taught the people in parables. He taught 38 parables, 16 of which have to do with money, possessions, and finances. Now, I don't know what you may draw from that, but the conclusion that I draw from that is this. We need to understand money. And we need to understand how we are to handle it. Come on, if Jesus spoke about money more than prayer, he spoke about money more than fasting, we know it's not for us just to be rich. But there's principles here that you and I must grasp a hold of and we need to understand. Come on, we need to learn how to be a good steward with that which has been given into us. Stewardship, an incredible word. The word stewardship means this. It means a person who manages another person's property or finances. You're managing something, therefore. You're taking care of someone else's stuff. It's not yours, but it's managing something that does not belong to you. Here's a question I want to ask you all today. Patricia, if you would put it on the screen. What are you doing with that which is already all God's? What are we doing with that which is already all God's? What do you mean all God's? I'm telling you right now, everything that you have today is as a direct result of God giving it to you. No, Pastor Philip, it's because of my job. It's because I've been successful and it's because, uh, you know, I, I invested in the right stuff. Okay, well, let's take that a step further. Who gave you your brains? Who gave you your ability to see a deal? Who gave you the, the smarts that you have? Who enabled you to have a mind? Come on, we've got to look back and say, God, without you, we're nothing. But everything and everywhere we find ourselves at is only by your grace. It's only by your mercy. Come on, I'll be the first one to throw both hands in the air and say, I don't deserve it, but only by his grace. Only by his mercy. That's why we've been wrong, I believe, for so many years when we stand and we say to people, come on, you need to give your tithes to God. Because it's not a case of giving your tithes to God, because it's not yours to give, but it's bringing back to God that which is already His. We don't give our tithes. We bring back to God. And you know how loving God is? God only asks for 10% back. And he lets you keep the other 90. Come on, I would say that's a good God. Come on, I would say that's a good God. That he allows us to bring back to him a small portion of that which he allows every one of us to keep in our lives. And when we become a good steward, say with me, good steward. When we manage that which is God's, not our own. But that which is God's, guess what? God realizes that he can trust us with more. If he can see that we can handle what we've got, 
God can say, there's a life that I can pour more into because I can trust them. I'm going to say it this way this morning. Money is a test from God. Money is a test from God to see how well every one of us will choose to respond. Whether we'll trust him with it or whether we'll hold on to it. I've said this saying so many times, but I'm going to say it one more and you're going to hear it probably countless times in the future. If God can get it through you, my God, he'll get it to you. If he can get it through you, someone who's given, he'll get it to you. How you and I handles our money reveals so much about us. I was just telling Miss Nancy, I believe it was the other day, it amazes me the price that um, tickets are to go now and see football games and to see professional sporting events. It amazes me that we hear on the news all the time, the economy, that people haven't got money to pay their mortgages. People haven't got money to do this and people haven't got money. Oh no, we're going to lose our house. But it's amazing how you can turn on the TV and you can see sold out games week after week after week. Where are they getting the money from? I mean, where are they getting the money from? They haven't got money to pay their bills, but they've got the money to pay for satellite TV. They've got the money to go to the games. You see, here's the deal. Money speaks a lot about us. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be also. So your heart will follow where your money goes. Come on, because what you value the most, you're going to make time for. Isn't it so sad that we value football and so many other things greater than the need for God's supernatural blessing upon our lives? You didn't catch that. We value the things of this world more. Things that are never going to give back to us. Only take from us. But God is a God that says, try me, put me to the test and see if I will not give back to you blessings that you will not. There's a joy, there's a peace, there's a fulfillment. Whatever you need, God says, I'm able supernaturally to give it back to you. Come on, money reveals so much about us. It shows us our priorities. It shows our loyalties. It shows our affections. You grab someone's checkbook. I know that's old school now. Look at their deposit statements. Look at their, what they call it, debit card transactions. You'll see where their priorities and their loyalties. If Starbucks is on there every other day, come on, you know that they're hooked to four bucks. It should be four bucks, not Starbucks. Every time you go there, it's at least four bucks. But you can see through the affections, through where your money goes. Every one of us as children of God, we need to consider the word stewardship. We need to ask ourselves, am I being a good steward with what God has given me? How am I using the funds? How am I using the resources? How am I using that which God has given to me? Because we need to be a good steward right now where we are at, not where we hope to be. We've got to start being a good steward right now. A lot of people turn around and say, well, here's the deal, Pastor Philip. One day, when I get this, that, and the other, then I'm going to be this, that, and the other. 
Look what the Bible says in Luke 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least. Say with me the little. Come on, say it with me today. The little. He who is faithful in the little, as we say in England, not little, little. He who is faithful in the little things. What does the Bible say? He is also faithful in that which is much, little, much, little, much. If I can be a good steward in the little, God says he can trust me to be a good steward with that which is much. Do I hear an amen? But he also goes on to say, but he who is unjust, not a good steward, does not manage that which I have given to him. And it may just be a little, but God says that same person who doesn't do it with a little will not do it with much. If you cannot pay your tithes on $10, if you cannot pay your tithes on $100, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to pay your tithes on 1000 and you're definitely not going to pay it on 10000 plus. Come on, say, oh me, my help, bless us, Jesus, do whatever. Come on, let me hear a response from you today. Because when we turn around and say, well, God, when you bless me with that new job, then I'll so happily give to you. But right now, I just can't. You won't. And you know what else? God's not going to bless you with that because he cannot trust you with that. But when you give him, you may only have $10 to your name today. Well, I pray today you gave a dollar in the offering. And again, we're not about money. It's not about us. It's about you because you need the blessing of God if you've only got $10 more than anything else. But we rob God. We rob God. You see, what we do is this. We're eating our seed. We're taking a seed that God says we can sow and we can prove him. And we're proving a God that has never failed and never will fail. Man, I feel like preaching today. We're proving a God that will never fail you. He'll never let you down. Now, things may not happen as you think they should have happen, but they'll happen how they need to happen for your life. A God that you can prove. But you know what we do? There's only $10. I can't give a dollar because I won't have enough to eat lunch. You know what we're doing? We're eating our seed. No seed in the ground. No harvest. No seed in the ground, no harvest. What we're doing is we're robbing God from his ability to be able to give to you. And how does God give? Supernaturally. Come on, I love that word. God gives supernaturally into your life. You see, what we have is a test, folks. Money's a test. We have a test from God. A test that we can either use to prove God, to show forth His ableness and willingness, or a test that we can fail in. God has to be first. Come on, I said, God has to be first. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 2. God's dealing with the children of Israel. And God says to these words, to them, consecrate. In other words, set apart, give to me. Notice what it says, the next word, all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb amongst the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. 
There we see the principle of the firstborn. If we would turn to Exodus 23 verse 19, we would discover this. That the first of the fruits of your land shall you bring into the house of the Lord your God. That's the first fruits. What we've just read is the firstborn and the first fruit. This is the principle of firstborn, first fruit, or the tithe. Because that's what it is. We're talking about God's portion. Come on, say with me, God's portion. God required of them to do two things. You can read it if you would read down in Exodus 13. I believe it's verse 10 through 12 or something along there or 12 through 14. It's somewhere in there. Just read the whole chapter and you'll catch it. But God says these things. They were either to sacrifice it or to redeem it. You've got to either sacrifice it or You've got to redeem it. In other words, you've either got to kill it or you've got to kill something in its place. Because he talked about their firstborn children. Now, God didn't want them to give their kids to him. Kids as in the goats, but not kids as in your children. So what God would say is your firstborn son, what you do is or you offer up a lamb in its place. Thus, you redeem that. Did you know that Jesus was God's firstborn that was given for us? God himself did not hold back his only son, but he gave his son to die, that the whole of mankind could be redeemed. Through the sacrifice came redemption. Notice how his son was given. Romans 5 verse 8 tells us, But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that verse tells us? God gave Jesus in faith. God gave Jesus in faith. Why? Because even when we were still sinners and hadn't turned to him, even when we hadn't said sorry for what we've done, we were still doing the wrong stuff. God gave his son for every one of us when not one of us had turned to him. God didn't wait to see if we would change. And we know why, because there is no change that can come save through the change of his crucified son. But God didn't wait for the whole world to be perfect and then gave his son. What did he realize? In order for perfection, in order for salvation, in order for life to come, there first has to be a sacrifice, a giving. God did not wait to see if you and I would change. But he gave an order that we would change and could change and that we would realize that change was available to every one of us. You know what? Jesus was God's tithe for you. Jesus was God's tithe for every one of us today. 
He gave. God gave his son with no guarantee of receiving. How many people today are still blaspheming and cursing God, but yet he still gave his son? And how did he give? It's the same way in which you and I are to give to God. And that is this. God gave his son first. And you and I need to follow that same example. You see, tithing is giving God first. And then trusting Him. Believing in Him. That He'll redeem the rest. Bishop, come up here and help me for a second. Count how many dollar bills. Turn and face the crowd so they can all see you. Count how many dollar bills there are there. Three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten bills. Ten dollar bills there. I'm going to ask you a simple question today, and that is this. Out of that ten dollars, what is a tithe to God? One dollar. Everyone understand that? Okay, why is that? That's the tenth. One dollar is God's. But I want to ask every one of you today, Which of those $10 is God's? All of it, yes. But as far as our tithe concerns, which one is the first one? You see, there's a principle here that we see, and that is this. You know how we do? I'll give God if all my bills are taken care of, if there's enough left. Here's the principle of first, and that is this. You give God first. And then what happens? Man, I've got chills when I'm telling you this today. You know what happens when you give God first? Guess what? He redeems the rest. That means he begins to touch the rest. He begins supernaturally to work upon the rest. He does something with that which you have given and offered up to him. Can I be honest with you today? Come on, we're in church. I mean, it's a good practice to be honest, isn't it? I don't know how it works. Can I just be honest with you? I don't know how, if I've got $10 and I give God one, I've got more left. Come on, I I, I don't understand it. I'll just be the first one. But I will tell you this, I know it works. I don't understand it, but I know it works. But here's something I've realized. That's faith. I don't have to understand it in order for it to work. You know, I don't understand everything about my car. I kind of could find the spark plugs could find the time and stuff and the starter. I could probably point it out. But if something went wrong, I'm in trouble. Come on, I don't understand. But you know what? I'm glad that I don't have to have an understanding of my car in order to drive it. All I need to know is this. I can put the key in the transmission or in the ignition. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? This is proof right here. Proof right here. I can put my key in that slot where you stick the key in. You know that one? And I can turn that baby, and guess what? I don't have to know anything about the mechanics of that car. I've just got to trust that someone else did. And all I've got to do is turn that key. You see, my knowledge or lack of understanding of what happens under the hood does not affect or should not affect the fact of the ability that my car can take me places. What have I got to do? I've got to have faith and action. Come on, I've got to have faith and action. Come on, you had faith today when you sat on that chair. You may so know I just sat down. Well, I'm telling you what, you had faith that that chair was going to hold you. 
We have got to realize that it's time that we live by, it's not by how much we all understand. I don't understand it all, but can I tell you right now, it works. I can't tell you how 90% goes further than 100%, but I can prove to you every month throughout my entire life, my family's life, it works. All I know is this, 90% blessed by God goes further than 100% that is cursed. Come on, if you're a witness in the house, tell me today. And how, I don't understand it, but all I can say is, it's supernatural. It's all Him. It's nothing of me, except my willingness to have faith and to trust Him. You see, through the principle of firstborn, first fruits, the tithe, it releases the supernatural working of God into my life. It takes faith to trust Him. It takes faith to trust Him. But here's another thing that amazes me. We have no problem having faith in everything else. But yet so quickly we doubt God. Mike French came to the Lord one day when God opened his eyes and said, you will pick up a history book and you will read that Julius Caesar lived and was born and he did these things, but yet you won't pick up the Bible and agree to the fact that Jesus was born. He said, the lights came on. He said, if I've got the faith to believe a Julius Caesar was born, I've got the same faith to believe that a Jesus Christ was born because historically it has been proven that he did. Just in the same regard. Think about what's happening in the passages we read in Exodus 13 and 23 when God comes to him and says, you know that sheep? Maybe the only sheep you've got. When it has a lamb, the first one belongs to me. Think about the first fruits of of the harvest. God says, see that, the biggest watermelon over there? That one's mine. That's the first fruit. Think about what's happening here. It wasn't easy for them to give their firstborn or their first fruit. Why? Because their sheep may not ever have another lamb. Come on, their their ox may never have another calf. Their field may get burnt down and there'll never be another harvest. You see, they couldn't go and just buy another one because that's the mentality we have now. Everything they had, everything was provided by what they had in their home. They ate because of the animals they had. They ate because of the food that they were able to harvest. They weren't able to go to Walmart and buy food. They weren't able to go to the bank and just draw out some more money and buy another lamb. If God did not touch their sheep or their oxen or their fruit again to produce again, they were in trouble. Come on, they were in trouble. Not only them, but their family wasn't eaten. They weren't provided for. They weren't taken care of. And this is why very few Christians experience the true blessing through putting God first in their tithe. Because what they do is they consider it all. And they come to the conclusion there's no room to give. But listen to me, no room to give. 
there's no room to receive. If there's no room to give, there's no room to receive. Here's what we do or here's what we say when we take our money and we take our tithe and we give it to God. Here's what we're saying. We're saying, God, I'm putting you first in my life. And I am trusting you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. I'm giving to you, trusting you, God, that you are going to redeem, take care of the rest. And by tithing, we're acknowledging God first. Come on, it's a test to see what we'll choose to do because it's your choice today. We're not going to force you to give. It's your choice whether you'll trust him. But can I tell you right now, he, it's someone that we can trust who will open the floodgates of heaven into your life and he will rebuke the devourer. Will you allow your circumstances to determine your fate? Or rather trust God, you first. Because God does not want it grudgingly given. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7. But this I say, he who spares or sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. That's the process of giving right there. If you want to just tip God, you're going to be tipped back. But if you give God his portion, come on, he's going to supernaturally give back to you your portion. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That word means with blessings. Verse 7. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart. Can I just say that this? Those words there doesn't mean, well, let me give as I purpose in my heart, meaning I'll purpose how much I want to give. The thought there is not how much, but rather how it's given. It's the motive beyond or behind the way I give. Let me purpose in my heart how I'm going to give. And what does the Bible say? Not grudgingly or of necessity. That means compulsion. But what? For a Lord loves a cheerful. The word means hilarious. Ha, 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 a giver. A giver that loves to give. Can I give you a testimony from... The Pimlot House today. We love to give to God. I said we love to give to God. In fact, it's exciting to me to be able to give to God. When there's extra blessings, how many know some of those Pentecostal handshakes you can sometimes get? Anyone ever had one of those? A few Benjamins in there? Is that the nice ones, the Benjamins? The hundreds, is that the hundreds? Come on, some of you don't even know what they are. Start tithing and you will, come on. Get those blessings. I love it when supernaturally God blesses our home. Because you know what we do? We give it back to God. We sow it back to God. We are, in our house, we are gross tithers, not net tithers. We tithe off our gross and we tithe off our net. You know why? Because we just want gross blessings back from God. Because you know what? Why should God get after the government has got? Come on, it's all his. Come on, we need to give to God. Come on, I said we need to give to God. Happily. And here's how we give. Kelly and I don't give because we expect more. We give because of that which he's already done. 
And we give or bring because it's already his. We know that any moment he could turn it off and stop the flow. We know he's a rewarder, but that's not our focus. Come on. The motive of your giving shouldn't be, well, God, you know I need a new car, so I'm just going to pay my tithes. Can God give you a new car? He sure can. But is your motive just to get a car? If you are, you are robbing God too of what he wants to do in your life. We know he's a rewarder, but that's not our focus. That's a whole wrong motive. We give in our house because we want to. But can I tell you, sometimes when we give a little bit more, it seems like the bottom drops out. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Going to pay my tithes and then the washing machine breaks down this week. Going to pay my tithes and you've got two flat tires. How many know stuck on the side of the road with two flat tires is never a good thing? One, you can make it. Two, you're in trouble. By the way, my washing machine did not break down this week and my tires are still inflated. Thank you very much. Just an illustration. Kelly and I, just this last couple of weeks, and we're not saying this to brag, but we gave more. Because there were certain needs that we had, and we realized that we just wanted to honor God. And we wanted to say, God, we're just going to honor you, and we're going to trust you. And by faith, we're just believing because we love you. Our air conditioning broke. It wasn't the washing machine, it was the air conditioning. Now, thank God, it wasn't a whole lot. It was just a capacitor, but that's $195. Thank you very much. Okay, we can pay that. Then we get an email from the school. Problems with one of the kids. Not paying attention in class, not paying attention doing stuff. It's amazing that Satan will get to you one way or the other. And one of the greatest ways he can get to you is through your kids. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You've all received those emails. If you haven't received them, then your mum did. Well, she didn't receive an email because there probably wasn't one when you were at school. (laughs) Bishop's mum used to get carrier pigeons. (laughs) Or smoke screens. Love you, Bishop. Just got to be honest in the house of God. But what I'm telling you is this. Kelly and I still go through times of testing when it comes given to God. I'm not saying that we give every time and all of a sudden the windows of heaven and God pours out. But can I tell you this? That God uses what we give and what we have as a test to see if we'll remain faithful. Because you see, here's the tendency. God, you're a bad God. I gave more and this is what you did. You see, if that's your thought, you're given with the wrong motive. Come on, help us, Jesus. You see, a lot of the times in your life, there'll be blessings that will be released into your life. As you start tithing, you're going to see blessings and blessings and blessings. But watch out, the bottom's going to fall out sometime. But it doesn't stay out. But you see, what God is doing is, are you going to still remain faithful? When you lose your job, are you still going to be faithful? Come on, when your AC breaks, are you still going to remain faithful? Come on, are you still going to remain faithful? You see, that's our testimony. Our testimony is this. We're remaining faithful and God is supernaturally blessing our home. You and I have got to bring the, the tithes into his storehouse. 
I could talk about this for a long time, but I'm not because time is almost gone. But your church, the local church, is your storehouse. Not TV evangelists, not other ministries, not all these things. Your church is your storehouse. The Bible says that, that there will be food enough for you to eat and your families and other people. The church that you are planted in is the storehouse. Now, if you want to give to televangelists, if you want to give to radio ministries, if you want to give to this and that, that's your offerings. That's not the 10%. You give your 10% to God. God's word. I said, that's God's word. But notice what God's word also says in Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and that your vats will overflow with new wine. Honor God with everything that you have. To keep his portion, to keep your tithe, is to rob God. Malachi 3 verse 8 and 9. This is how you have robbed me in your tithes and offerings. And he says this, you are cursed with a curse. But if you will give, God will give back. That's a scary thing to me to think that I can steal from God. I mean, to steal from someone is bad enough and we shouldn't do it. But to steal from God, how foolish. Come on, how foolish. To steal from the one who supernaturally, come on, I don't know how. But I know he does. That supernaturally, he begins to work on your behalf in your situations. Don't steal his ability to bless your life. I wonder how many people God's looking and say, if only they would just let me in. If only they would just connect back to me through their giving, their tithing. I've got so much I want to give back to them. And we're talking about a never-changing, always-present God that supernaturally wants to pour. He's a God that does not change. Can I give you a practice that I think that you should adapt to your daily life? When you get your paycheck, it's on a Thursday, Friday, Tuesday, Monday, whenever you get it, and you put it in the bank, why not go straight to your checkbook and write your first check to God? You may not be able to give it till Sunday or Wednesday. But you know what? Practically, we're almost saying, God, I'm putting you first. Stop going through the list and trying to figure out what's left to give to God. Ten dollars. One dollar is God's. But which one dollar is God's? It's not the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, God, I've got one left. Here you go. The one that's God's is always the first. The tithe belongs to God's. Everything that you have is already God's. As I close today, if you don't believe me, ask a tither. I challenge you, go to any church, go to any country, and you go to any nation of this world, and you will hear two testimonies when it comes to giving. The first testimony of the tither is this. God has blessed me. 
God has blessed me. You know what they'll also say? I don't deserve it and I don't know where it all came from. And there was times when I didn't have enough money and and there was no way I could pay my tithes and pay my bills. But can I tell you, every time when I put God first, God came through. Go anywhere and you will hear that test me from a tither. But you know what? There's a second testimony that you'll hear and that is from a non-tither. And you know what their testimony is? Any church, any country, any nation, I can't afford to give to God. It's the same testimony. Two testimonies. If you don't believe me, ask a tither. Come on, do I have any tithers in the house? Am I, am I bearing witness with something today? I don't know how. Do you know how? But I know he does. It's the same everywhere. And here's the thought that I have, and that is this. I cannot afford not to give to God. Come on, let me say that one more time. I cannot afford not to give to God. Put God to the test. He's not going to fail you. Have faith to trust Him. Give to Him first. Give to Him His portion. And my God, watch as He begins to redeem the rest. Because 90% blessed is going to go a whole lot further than 100% cursed. Why is Oprah Winfrey so blessed? Why is a lot of these people so blessed? What's Bill Gates? Why are these people? Should I tell you why they're blessed? They understand the principle of giving. These people give millions and millions and millions and millions and even billions. I think Ted Turner gave a billion dollars, didn't he, a few years ago to the UN or something? I mean, incredible. You see, why? Because it's a principle that works. It's a principle that works. As you give, you receive. Put God to the test. Give him first. Give him his portion. But remember this. God must be first. Come on, I want to see a church that gets so plugged in to vision. I want to see a church that gets so plugged in and realizes, man, when we begin to pray his will, his word, and for his glory, anything and everything can happen. I want to see a church that gets so plugged in that they tithe. I want to see a church that's 100% tithers because I believe when we're 100% tithers, we're going to see 100% miracles. You may say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, hey, don't burst my bubble. Just let me live there. Come on and help me get there. Come on, help me get there. Help God bless your life. Help God bless your finances. Maybe you need financial miracles. Maybe you need health and strength. Put God first. Put God to the test. And as you give to God, he's going to supernaturally give it to you. Tithing is a principle of life for me, my wife, and for our family. And you know what else we do? We teach our children. Why to do it too? Because that's what it says in Exodus also. When your children ask you, you remind them of how God with a strong arm brought you out of Egypt. Come on, our tithe is a testimony to our children to show them that God blessed us and the same God that blessed us is the same God that can bless them. God first. God first. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. 
If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.